Season 2, a serial podcast about a man they would call Joe Millionaire, a rapist. A story of absolute perversion kneeling at the altar of the god oil, bathed in power, drugs, and slathered in sex. Thank you for listening to True Crime 49. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the bottom of the clouds. In the celebration of the end of the season, we invite you to join our Patreon for season notes, first-hand look at merchandise, and a chance to test out prototypes. Listen to TC49's other podcast, Inches of Mercury, an Alaskan aviation podcast, and AIH Calendar Girls, stories of women featured in Joe Bone's AIH calendars. We thank you for listening to True Crime 49 Season 2, Joe Millionaire. If you have time, we encourage you to listen to the whole season before the season finale. Thank you. There's a saying that is so old, the sunlight remembers it shining down on the battlefield. Shining through the library down at an angle the books scattered. When they tossed their hand into the pile of books and papers to flush out the library girl like rabbits. The blessed reference books defiled amongst other piles becoming her blankets. He who laughs last, trailing off in the long stare of the victors and the slaves. What is it they are always looking at? Maybe it's the things that it took to see the world the way it is now. Welcome to True Crime 49. Don Arthur Webster was known as Jerry Starr. Unless you worked for him, then he was daddy. Retired Sergeant Kathy Lacey began hearing about a pimp named Jerry Starr not long after she first started work for the Anchorage Police Department in 1994. By the time APD formed a vice unit in 2005, Jerry had turned out over a dozen girls, and eventually he was touted as one of the largest prosecuted sex traffickers in Alaska. Jerry was arrested on a drug charge, and soon the horror started to unfold. Anchorage Police Department called in the FBI when it was found that some of the victims were under 18 and there was use of force. FBI Special Agent Jolene Godin of the Israel Keys Investigation works human trafficking and crimes against children violations, and closely with the APD's vice unit. Authorities are still investigating where all his money went. Webster targeted girls and women who were in the margins, homeless and uneducated, runaway and strippers, and put them to work in escort services, including Foxy Roxy's. He virtually enslaved the woman through forced fear and drugs, and while they have gotten into the business voluntarily, he kept them under his control through beatings, chokings, confinements and closets and distribution of cocaine after dates. This was the fucking judge talking. First off, I'd like to apologize to the court and to the government and also to the city of Anchorage for having this display put on, Webster said. He never anticipated such a dramatic trial. Things were so exaggerated, he said. This girl had hid among the racks of paper books. The smell of the venerable dusty shelves splashed with the taunting marauders. But look at her now. 
She raises her eyebrow, the sneer of her lip. The young girls are in awe of her. She was swift just as they can't believe how quickly she is heading back to the ride. It took her less than ten minutes to go out of sight and stroke the nervous giddy county man till he grabbed his steering wheel and gasped out as if the semi was blaring down through the windshield. His screeching tires crying out and fading like his whimper groan in the cab of the small pickup and the last long slow Benihana to a rolling stop and he is dead. And he gasps to life again, eyes realizing they have barely been open the whole time, staring up at the dingy foam fabric of his Ford Ranger's roof upholstery. What a foolish place to look at during the quivering Benjamin Franklin finish. His smart shopper sensitivities were almost aghast at how fast the girl had polished him off. His nuts now, though, half applauding, drunken and leaning on the sun and a compatriot. Staggering in honor from the reception hall, the blessing bride had slipped her finger in his asshole last time. Rushing in at the last moment, he was helpless and the sound of his own gasp is what sent him over the edge. He felt naked and young again, and it was all he could think about this week. And he'd only made it till now. She was washing her hands. It was still a beautiful Thursday morning. He also apologized to each and every one of the victims and witnesses, friends of mine, for the trauma that I've caused them when I was running the services. He glid in on them. His chain make the panties come moist. And he's so good, he says he can make her remember when she used to wear him. The world blurred on the prescription doses in his hand, a jumble from all types in all different places. And he was in their deep dance stride of the electric neon rooster. Almost as if he's walking around his own wrist. Showing the sparkle in their eyes, the white powder in his nose hairs. Disclosure of Victim's Name The portion of the records of a court or law enforcement agency that contains the name of the victim of an offense shall be withheld from public inspection. TC-49 chose to highlight the names of some of the missing and murdered to bring closure, such as Michelle Rothy, known as Ruby, Desiree Lenkinoff, and Sierra Ray Mullen. For the over two dozen girls and women who lived and worked for Jerry Starr, their real identities will not be disclosed by us. Jerry also didn't use their names, but more to dehumanize them. They weren't allowed to have personal conversations, and they often went by their working girl names, Diamond, Platinum, Ruby. Mothers raised their daughters in Jerry's house. Later, Jerry would find one of the daughters on the street, telling her she looked like a million bucks, bringing her to one of Daddy's houses. Witness Testimony Most of the girls shared a house or apartment provided by Jerry, places where the women could have their own rooms, space for family meetings. The houses had nicknames like The Money Tree, Spinard House, The Blue House, The Sandbox, and 007 or 00. 
Many still photos were recovered through the search and seizure. Exhibit of evidence now most showing the girls lounging in the living room with the blue house. The one on Thunderbird. The girls after a day of shopping, huge Costco run. Daddy called a family meeting. He would go to tell them to hush now. And he'd go over the stats. Who was the bottom bitch? Testimony reveals this is where he told Sierra Roberts, who had just flashed a picture with her and the redhead on the couch. He tells her that she has been picking her skin on her face again. A few girls giggle. She was told to stop where she would spend time in the box. No more giggles. The camera is instantly down by her side. Her temples flash in red skin. Her eyes are down. But there are coals in there. Jerry breathes in on that note. One of his best performers tells her to go to the back room. He's got something for her. The other girls are silent. Out of pocket means buying drugs from someone else. The girls can hear the first slap across her face and the tumbling on the floor. The corner of her red puffy eye is pulled back. The slight duct tape rip sound of hair coming out in a bunch. When he walked out of the room, his chest was pounding. Later, he would be on the couch in the dim. The crack pipe lighting upon her face. He has a cool rag and he tells her shh, shh, how much he loves her. And she hated her father, doesn't even like to think of him. Don't project that on me, he's whispering. That's not who I'm trying to be to you, he says. Her fat lip has a tangerine ruby slit. And she smiles as he wipes a curl from her eye. This is where you would witness the violence, the testimony reads. Jerry usually beat a woman in another room, where you could only hear the smacks and groans while making themselves scarce. Jerry had boxes in a few of these locations for disciplining the ladies. was brilliant. Unless you've ever seen the hairy nutted back descendant describing filet mignon with his fingertips parting the invisible labia. You don't dare judge anyone. Who the fuck do you think you are? He makes the expression for you that he just has to stop and behold the youth of this perfect flower the sniff makes fresh blood surge into his bluing pale Brunschweiger tissues. He needs to steal the life energy now before he opens his paste chalk-covered tongue, the pallor of the swamp across the complexion of these children of God somehow. Keep little Sammy from going door to door, it's too rough on her. What are you, an animal for God's sake? Defining the grains of the fat up the back of her leg to the butcher. He was preternatural, and he could see what color the stitching of the nylons need to be. Recognizing it like a recommendation for a little horseradish, the voice of the master warm and already knowing behind the deli. Memorial Day weekend at Centennial Park in Anchorage, Alaska 
had a large open grass area where families could barbecue, walk the trails, or even set up a tent for camping. Grandparents set up a small area for a picnic while the young father prepared the grill. A new mother had a tent, providing shade for the baby's nap. After the picnic, the baby stirred, with the young father scooping him up, kissing his chubby face. He swaddled the baby and gently guided him through the air, delivering kisses to Grandma and Mom. Anchorage is a melting pot with all ethnicities and cultures. When the family looked over to see a black man with a group of women who slightly resembled the Spice Girls, they didn't think anything of it. It was a little unusual for one man with a group of flashy-dressed ladies to be camping on the edge of town, but they supposed maybe the tent had other purposes. And it don't take long to catch the eyes of the rich white man either. Remember the jaded girl had said, I guess they get what they want? 15,000 fees to the yellow pages. You can't take them off the street once they're out there in heels on the boulevard, those huge yellow books. The dusty page is now plastered with the poor library girls on takeout. Are you a total fucking moron or what? Let them come up to the counter already licking their lips. It may be the same look in their eye, but the sky's a different camouflage cotton candy, but with the naughtier capital K. Five grand a month to the telecommunication company, waiting the deposit on the ads. IT guys allocating memory to account for the phone bill. And the old Cold War satellites, electric waves, fidelity. For each of their own kind, the voice wanting the service of tickle your fancy. Bound in the closet, he's in ecstasy. Foxy's Roxy's, the poor bastard thinks it's what he wants. Now go wash your ass again, and put new tubes in the tires this time. You're going to pedal your ass to the filthy pigs. Their own asses becoming the destruction, a flower of their own slapping overlaid over hers. The client collects his thoughts after and realizes, oh fuck, his blood goes cold, he didn't have the extra $40 for the thing this week. What was he thinking, he went for the 180 what the fuck? The memory smile of it though, he fabricates, fading to slimber that this is his daughter's birthday week, oh fuck. But it's when his wife walked in on him standing over the full page ad, his long past dollars having no purchase anymore. He can't even get a ride to his fucking job. Frustrated trying to rub one off though. He just can't go into the sunlight again. A little less the monster. Otherwise, who knows? He's so full of shit, no fucking wonder. Fuck him. Maybe it's even worse to use the girl's natural selection of how she'd learned to deal in this world used for sex. She's older now, though. And she's still living. And they've learned to laugh and have identity. That's how good it is. When you can read the flavor from behind the deli glass. And he let her strut in her heels and she was in control. Some people love that shit. Or the heel backs becoming one half hanging tattered. Sometimes the guy wants that position. But most of the time it's easier to just let her do her thing. 
but it's when you got the talent to read it plainly. Carpet salesman seeing the receptionist along for the ride this morning in the hairy nutted boss's truck. It's hard to discern is he working her or is she working him. But you gotta remind them once in a while though, when they feel like taking their fuel injected multi transmission little snatch out for one of their own joy rides, they better come correct. And please don't make him do what he was almost made for the conflict of too many options. He's blessed. Refining a life's ransom in his crucible. To be so bold to speak plainly of the Lord's creation right in front of his fucking face. The rock is clicking a silent tumbling across his palm. And he lets the main girl hold it all. While the other girls watch. Passed over by truckers on the way out to Valdez. There are so many flavors, you know what? Don't come home. Fuck, I care. From the curb, she can see the world. What has she done? Now that she's alone, the glimpse of light shining down upon her shipwreck. The waves above so heavy and dull to pressure moving by like a whale. Sliding his belly across your face into the mud. And his giant dong slid by so long when he passed over some of the girls were dead. And looked like they were vacuum sealed. Never caught fresh though that's the job of the lime sprig. And she sees him looking at her from his glance of street light. And his eyes are saying are you fucking crazy bitch? Now come put the money in my pocket. There's no words for the things he says in his eyes. The threat, you don't want to end up like Ruby, was thrown around by Joe Millionaire, Bambi Tyree, and even, allegedly, by Bill Allen's son Mark. Michelle's home was listed at Thunderbird Place, and the photos place her in the family room. It seemed like almost everyone who worked for Jerry lived at Thunderbird at some point or another. Although they weren't allowed to speak to each other of personal matters, there were plenty of rumors going on about the Blue House, Jerry and what he had done. One by one, girls were beaten as others went missing. There were several women who had nowhere else to go. The steady flow of crack, a roof over their heads, food on the table was enough for them to do whatever daddy said, even ignoring the girls in the box or the ones with the black eyes. One of the 14-year-old girls said she could be back at her village being raped by her grandfather or could be here getting paid. Daddy, Jerry Starr, or Don Arthur Webster, was convicted of two counts of sex trafficking of a minor, nine counts of sex trafficking by force, fraud or coercion, and 14 counts of distributing crack cocaine, two of which were to a pregnant woman. Upon his questioning for a drug violation, Jerry admitted to having a new fetus in his briefcase. One of his main girls had been pregnant. The morning of the APD conversation, Jerry said he and the pregnant woman smoked crack and engaged in rough sex. Shortly after, the woman miscarried, at which point Jerry placed the baby inside his briefcase, which was in his vehicle when he was arrested. The sentencing was spread over two days, 
On Thursday, the first day, the lawyers argued their very different views of the case. On one side, all of this. God damn it, the social ills. This weak, part black, Native American maybe. Mostly white landowner, who the fuck knows from the look of his fucking face. And here he is. Here to dispel all of the ugly truths of the downfall of so many people just like him and his co-workers over the years. Many writing in and watching the tape record as they spoke of how he'd helped them. They were doing it in the street and his rooster stride meant they were safe at least. The word on the street to any new kid was, don't work for Jerry Starr. They lived like rock stars, the kind of girls who do that shit, you can't hold them back. You help them sweep the glass and the ashes, they don't need a pep talk, baby, they roll on. With without a jive-ass motherfucker, damn girl, damn girl, damn girl. Jerry didn't just keep working girls in the home. There were several older women who worked as caretakers for the houses. Saved from the brink of destitution, they cleaned and cooked in a house of sex, crack, and violence with the overall guise of family, complete with fresh laundry. Women testified to working every day of the week, not knowing if it was a holiday or not, high for days, until Daddy said they needed sleep and cut off their supply of crack. If you recall from her episode, Michelle had a dream of having her own wonderful family, but after her first pregnancy ended in a horrific miscarriage, she was unable to have children of her own. She soon began to lose grasp, and her addiction led her to Jerry's door. The terror and heartache that Ruby felt when Desiree's young, dishonored body was found may have set Jerry off, who he himself said he doesn't know what he did when he was on the pills. He says, quote, We stay fucked up. Yeah, like 10 years ago when I was asking people, like, what agency should I work for? What agency is that? People were like, stay away from Jerry Starr. He killed those girls. After years of running an escort service, the drugs finally caught up to Jerry and the women of his homes were freed. Michelle's body was never claimed and her killer never prosecuted. Sierra Ray Mullins has never been found and both women pictured with Jerry. There are countless others who were choked, burned, beaten, or put in the box. But for now, Jerry Starr is 11 years into his 30-year sentence and scheduled to be released May 2032. Stale light in the narrow prison cell. Pale paint on the beds and rails. The stink in the air all five senses permeated. Jerry is sitting on his bed. Eyes closed. Ears hearing but not listening. Dingy fabric on numb, dingy skin. Under his bed is a trove of cinnamons. Every crease in his stacks of clothes are immaculate. There's a small box of nail polish and some lipsticks. Fuck, man. His nails are filed and manicured, each one clean, warm, clear fingernails, a sign of fantastic nutrition. Your son? The collar of the old hustler's neck, many mother's prayers to the Lord in heaven. Broken off and rubbed to a lethal point against the part-painted concrete floor matching the lines, line by line. 
Mother's prayer negated and muted out here in the hen house. Never having moved, his eyes are closed and his collar, the skin in meditation, begins to bump. Then another, it is pulsing at his collar on both sides. The fiery plumage from hell hot up his neck, the memory-like feathers stinging they look so good. Burning already here in the real world. Gasp of light, waking on the back seat with a sack over her head, him lifting her into some sort of box. Watching himself glide in on them. His chain absurd, his choice of clothes ridiculous. There are things you do not speak of in here, like raping and killing little girls. The older bitch got caught up in the queen's spider silk across her eyes and across her lap. The little girl was just trying to break out. Back in those days, the pills, he said. I don't even know. The electric door buzzes so loud the door's clenched closed now, for hours, and waiting instantly he slips into the fantasy. He never meant to do any harm, it was just an accident. This was the type of girl you helped him sweep up the glass in the ash. Her hands and feet were half tied up, and she'd went crazy. Talking about Ruby and her were gonna go some fucking place. That she cares for her. The bitch-ass, fake-ass tears fucking with his schedule. Mother-daughter? Now ain't that some shit. It all melted into shaking, blurry, molten steel. The life's ransom finally coming due. He didn't even need to do it. Yeah, she did the tongue thing. And the gurgles. Her hand went shaking, grabbing for anything, but the thing is, he felt her hand scratching and come to stop for a second when it hit the rager in his pant leg. She knew this part like the gospel, and even he was surprised. And here it is now. He snatches in a breath in the dim. It looked like he'd been sitting still, the white fabric becoming uncomfortable now. The belt loop says department correction. And the creases perfectly matched the shirt, snatched up the heart caught in the gaze of the eye lock with daddy. Becoming open almost on your knees in front of her. And can you hear your mama's prayers? You get one of them on the house. But even he let the one kid take off his mascara and his eyelashes when his mama did show up unannounced. The kids with eyes were wide and questioning. Ah, 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 close your mouth. That nasty fucker with the headlamp is supposed to wear a condom. The blinding, wobbling illuminescence, blinding out mother's prayers coming up empty in the night. In broad daylight now, he raised his eyebrows when he walked by the tables behind his mother. His thumbs were in his holster loops. There ain't no guns on the floor. The boy had had a psychotic break a month later. They walked in and found he'd taken his own life for some reason. Another bitch collected his beauty supplies before they cleaned the self-inventory. The little box is sitting in the daylight on his shelf now. His hands clasped around her neck, though. Surprised by the look in Ruby's eye, it was always her. Spittle flying out when he called her, you stupid bitch. 
He loved the stars smeared glassy in her eyes, with her mouth wide open. The thoughts almost building in her eyes, she looked so fucking stupid. When they stare off like that, what is it that they're looking at anyway, he knows. They were looking into his eyes, breathing in the pain like it was water. The splunk splash of her dumb ass dropping in sequence. The place she never should have been. Mother daughter in your fucking dreams, bitch. Find us online at TC49 Podcast. See show notes for more information.